Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Johnji. Johnji is a local to Boston running apparel company dedicated to exploring, connecting, and giving back through running. Inspired by travel, informed by function, and built for adventure, Johnji makes running essentials to equip you wherever you run or roam. The company was founded on the core belief that water is a human right and donates 2% of their sales to supporting clean water organizations around the world. I've known the two co-founders of Johnji for over five years, and it's been a privilege to see them grow and increase the level at which they've been able to give back to the running community and to the world in general. Welcome back. I have Mel Lawrence joining me today on the podcast. Mel, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited. For sure. Um, so first question, who is Mel? Oh, <laughs> um, that's a good question. Well, Mel, live and train in Bend, Oregon. Um, I love cats. I feel like that's important to know. Um, one of those cats over dogs and oatmeal raisin over chocolate chip people. <laughs> You of us <laughs> in the world. Um, and what else? I don't know. And you run a bit. And I run a bit. Yes, quite a bit. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so you're out in Bend, Oregon. You run professionally. And uh, let's uh, let's dive into that. Um, so my, my first question is, do you remember your first run? Yes. Well, so yes and no. My parents kind of uh, jogged my memory for this like years and years ago, but we used to have this neighbor. I grew up on a 10 acre ranch farm and we had this neighbor named Ravella and we, we loved her and she didn't have any kids of her own. She unfortunately lost them in a car crash years before we met her. But, um, so she kind of took to us and we took to her and, she would go running out on the dirt path behind all our houses. And we'd like constantly go after her, chasing her. And she was so nice, of course, just like jogging our pace to <laughs> allow us to keep up. Keep in mind, we were probably like six years old at this point. Um, <laughs> but my parents said that like, you know, we'd always like go out there running after her. Um, and then, but my like first real run, it's probably hard. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> I also have another crazy running story. Um, we were up at this lake. We used to have a cabinet and, uh, long story short, my brother like fell in this levee thing and couldn't get back up and it was really cold. And my sister went in after him and then she couldn't get up either. And I ran uh -huh. about a mile and a half back to my parents' cabin and it was the longest run of my life. And it was so hard. <laughs> And thinking about it now, it's like, wow, that's a really short distance. But at the time, I remember being like, <laughs> I'm never going to get there. This is so hard. Um, so just like little stories like that. And then like kind of just always a little, little bit of running here and there. And then middle school is when I really was like, okay, I'm going to join the track team. Yeah. And at what point did you realize you were uh, you were better than than your peers, or or you were uh, pretty skilled at it? 
maybe eighth grade. So middle school for us out here is seventh and eighth grade. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think seventh grade is just kind of figuring it out and doing it and getting in shape and, you know, learning what a tempo was or a fartlek. And um, my coach never, he was serious, but it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't overly serious, which I really appreciate it, appreciate now in hindsight. Um, but I think eighth grade, after a year of just having that consistency in my legs, I, in eighth grade, I was like, hey, this could, this could maybe be a thing. And so that was eighth grade. And where, what did, what was your, what was your experience in high school? Um, high school. Oh boy. Um, okay. So my freshman year, I had the same coach actually for my club and like, uh, club sports and high school. So that was a super easy transition. I know a lot of people have like a middle school coach and then club coach in high school, but mine is pretty much all the same. Um, so freshman year is more just about like transition of like high school and, you know, balancing the more that sport, homework, athlete lifestyle. And I had my sister Collier. She's she's three years older. So I luckily had her as a senior while I was a freshman to kind of lean on and guide me. And that was really helpful. And of course, a lot of my really good friends um, were on the team, which was helpful. So yeah, high school, the freshman year is just more about kind of transitioning and like getting used to what I was doing and having my sister to like heavily lean on as a guide and support. And then every year just progressed more and more. And I kind of slowly turned into that role that Collier was for me, where I could like help bring up the younger kids as I was leaving. And yeah. Cool. And then you ran collegiately and now you're a pro runner. Um, when you were in college, did you did you have dreams of going pro? Yeah. So I ran at University of Washington and I loved my experience there. I loved Seattle. I really liked Coach Metcalf and um I did get hurt a lot, which was unfortunate. Um but I did have like early signs of success and I knew there was talent in there and talent doesn't go away. You know, it might disappear for a while, but it's something that's always there, I believe. So I knew I wanted to go professional just with all my injuries. I wasn't really sure how realistic that would be after a while, but here I am. It's realistic. It's happening. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and what was the, what was the experience like turning pro? Um, it was, you know, just another transition. Um, moved to Bend, which coming from Seattle was a huge change if you've ever been to either or both um it was I had this like itch to go to cities for a while after coming here um but I really really like it I don't plan on leaving anytime soon um I love Bend but yeah it was just a transition I moved here and the training was different we were doing workouts where if you had told me to do that in college, I would have been like, absolutely not. I don't know how you think I'm possibly going to finish <laughs> that. So it was just a transition. And because I came into this program with so many years of injury, it took a while, a long while, probably 
two, at least two years to just kind of get in a consistent groove where I actually felt like pieces of the puzzle were clicking back into place for me. That's awesome. And talking about Little Wing and training with, uh, with that group. Um, I love it. It's great. We, Little Wing's kind of gone in a few phases since I've been here. So I was part of the first group that came in in fall of 2013. Um, and it was small, you know, I mean, it's something new, so you never really know how it's going to work out. And um, so there was three of us, myself, Christine Babcock, and Betsy Flood. And then Collier, my sister, came a year after. And it did, since then, this group has taken like so many different shapes. It went from just me and Collier at one point while Lauren was transitioning to like raising Jude and then having her second kid, Zadie. Um, and now it's it's a big group. I think there's seven of us now with our newest addition, Angel. Um, and it's been really fun for me to see those changes and I really enjoy the the bigger group. It's um, everybody has such different strengths that you can work off of. Where we have Rebecca and Sadie, who are pretty speed based, but then Rebecca has like that endurance side, so she can do more of that stuff. And then Carrie and Collier are really good the long stuff. And I'm still learning about Angel, but I think she has some speed too. So it's nice to use each other's strengths. There's enough enough of us that. Um, it works really well together for those various things. And how has, um, yeah, I love the, I love the group dynamic, um, particularly when there are, you know, different skill sets that can lead on one day and, and not follow, but, um, be led on, on other days. I think it's, uh, it's super cool that, that you guys have that out there. Um, what has what has 2020 been like for you? It's it's been fascinating to chat with with professional athletes, particularly track and field athletes who um, didn't get you know the the marathoners got their trials, but the track and field athletes didn't, and there was so much uncertainty, and then it was pushed back, and then it was you know whatnot. What's been what's been your experience uh, so far this year? Um. I've definitely had ups and downs, I'm sure, like most people, but I like to think I've mostly been up. Um, when everything first happened, like mid-March, we actually went to Flagstaff for altitude training. And it was pretty much as soon as we got there, maybe two days after that, we kind of thought maybe we shouldn't have gotten on a plane and flew, like, <laughs> flown here. What are we doing here? Yeah. Um, and our training immediately changed. Like Lauren was like, okay, you know, like we need to back off the intensity and, um, being in Flagstaff was actually probably the hardest for me just because it was so new and so unknown what was happening. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit of a homebody, so I was just not homesick because even not uh, even though I'm a homebody, I don't really feel like I get homesick, but I just felt, I felt very confused while we were there and it didn't feel as safe because Flagstaff's not home and we're not familiar with it. Um, so that was probably the hardest, but we stuck it out for maybe three weeks because even though we knew races weren't going to be anytime soon, we knew that we would get benefits from altitude. 
um, so I'd say being in Flagstaff was the hardest. And then once we got home, it, it got better. We kind of had a better understanding of what our season might look like and the idea of maybe there only being a championship and focusing on that. And I mean, Lauren is really, she tries to teach us and she really vocalizes that we just need to be adaptable. And um, I think that's really hard for athletes sometimes because they tend to be maybe perfectionists or a little more obsessive compulsive. But um, I think she's done a really good job of teaching us the importance of kind of being adaptable and flexible. Yeah, I think that's super important. Um, It's been sort of the mantra that my coach has taken me through this year where the plan is just a plan. And, you know, it's a a framework for what's supposed to happen. But um, being adaptable, being flexible, particularly when there are no – no races on the horizon or the Olympics aren't on the horizon. Um, it's, uh, you know, you can just get in a good chunk of training and if you need to back off, you can back off without fear of, you know, Oh, I'm going to miss a workout or, or whatnot. Yeah. I think as I've gotten older, I've understood that a lot better too. Like, Oh, it's okay to miss a workout or, um, yeah, and Lauren always says too, like she writes our training for the week or the two weeks, but she's like, really, does it ever stay the exact same? Like a lot of times, like how are mm-hmm. you feeling? A little bit bad? Okay, let's change this. So, yeah. So, how has your motivation ebbed and flowed throughout the year? Um, yeah, kind of same ups and downs. Uh, I definitely had a moment where I was sort of just like just put me out to pasture let me just run (laughs) like I'll just like do consistent mileage but um but then I realized I I like working hard um and I think most people do or else they wouldn't be in this sport and it the hard workouts we're doing this year they are going to benefit us for next year um it's not just lost training that doesn't count because there wasn't a full season so once I realized that the motivation um to keep training was not fully back to normal but um relatively normal and I felt good about doing it and early on it was much harder but it got it got better maybe like mid-April May that's awesome. Yeah, I love the 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 concept of you know the work you do now will benefit you later. Um, I had Shalane on the podcast back in March, and the line she used was um, stuffing the silo with miles. And you know you can you can do all this work now, and it will benefit you in the future. And and so many people never get a chance to put in like a big block of work because there's always a race on the horizon, and and you know, if the motivation is there and you get in a good chunk of training, you know, you people can come out of this in a much better place than than before. Um, my question to you is, um, so this podcast is aimed at exploring the why and 2020 has forced a lot of people to explore their why with no races, as we talked about, um, and, you know, understanding intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Um, is is that something you've consciously thought about this year? Like, why am I doing it? What am I doing? Um, things like that. Yeah. Um, 
like I, I said in Flagstaff, when we first got there, it's kind of, I definitely thought, I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we here? Um, and it, it's hard to figure out that answer when you're frustrated in, in the moment. But um, right. I, I like this sport. I like working hard, as I said. And um, it's, I don't know if everybody says this, but. I think it's a fact of the matter. It helps when you're good at something like that feels good. And I can't, I can't take away from that. Um, and then, I mean, I've also met so many cool people doing this and so many, I've traveled so many places and none of that would exist if it wasn't for this. Um, and not just athletes, but PTs and, physios and you know so many different types of people and I just I like what I do it it feels good to work hard and it's nice to me I can be a little um shy I don't really like put myself out there very much but this like gives this sport has made that so easy to just meet people it's such a friendly sport I don't know yeah no I totally I totally agree um how has how have you used social media um talking about meeting people connecting with with people and and fans um how have you used social media to to help um further that well i'm very guilty in the fact that i'm like not the best at social media it's something i constantly try and be better at um I think a lot of times it's really easy to fall into this trap of, and I don't mean this like negatively or like a woe is me way. It's just a fact. Like, I feel like it's easy to fall into this trap of like, well, nobody really cares what I'm like sitting here doing. Like, you know, we're all doing the same thing. We're all, but I have to remind myself that the people who follow me do care and that's why they want to be part of that story. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I try and be better at it. I'm not great at it, um, but I try and be really realistic if I can be, because I think it's really easy to just share only the positive things. Um, and that's not realistic because everybody gets hurt or everybody has, um, hard times whether it's like mental health or something similar um and then I also try and share things outside of running because that's not just who I am I really like baking I've gone on a big baking kick recently <laughs> um, but yeah I like doing other things and I like sharing those not just the runner side of me definitely yeah the the just sharing the positives um, that we've seen on social has been interesting as as people have adapted to to not do that. Um, so I spent the weekend with supporting a friend um, shooting for an FKT. She's a Western States champion and has done some you know wildly incredible things. And we we talked a lot about social media and how she struggles with it as well. And um, I sort of pushed her to you know be a little more open on it and um, share the journey. And I've been able to 
have this conversation with, you know, dozens of dozens of athletes and see the progression of dozens of athletes, you know, um, sharing more than just the, the highs. And it's really cool to see the real human connection that can exist when it's not just a highlight reel. Um, so it's, it's been super cool to, to follow and see athletes who share the whole story and not just the, I won today. It was awesome. Or I nailed my workout and it was the best. Um, and I think that this sport and the industry itself is moving towards a place where that real engagement is what counts. And, you know, the race results are what helps you get there. And, and the, um, but it's the it's the human humanness and relatability that um, that that keeps people there. Yeah, because it's not always it's impossible to have great workouts all the time. That just doesn't <laughs> exist. It, yeah, and if you do, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. Um, so, talk to me about. Um, you know, it, like you said, it's impossible to have great workouts all the time. Talk to me about either a race or some experience where um, I don't want to say you failed, but you, you didn't achieve your goal and you came away better for it. That is a great question because I think it's really hard to walk away from a moment like that. <laughs> I'm better for that. Um, I think a recent good example of that for me is, um, gosh, I think in the beginning of June, I did a hard 5k on the road um, because I liked the idea of the road. It wasn't as easily measurable. We're at a little bit of altitude here. It wasn't super flat. So it's just like, I'm just going to go put in a really hard effort and the time is what it is, but I can't measure it against anything else. So that's going to mm -hmm. be nice. And then it must've been, so that was like a Tuesday. So then I think the Friday I came back and I did some K's and they weren't supposed to be hard. It was supposed to be like, just get some volume in your legs, you know, start out at 320, I think. And then just like work down to maybe it was even faster than that, but I was supposed to start like not crazy fast and then work down to faster, maybe like, I don't know. I can't even remember, but they were short rest. So it wasn't supposed to be hard. And it was so hard. I could barely run 320 pace. Um, I just, I felt terrible. And I, I've, I have bad days, but I felt like that. I was like, wow, I haven't had a day like this in a long time. This is an exceptionally bad day. And it was frustrating. because I was like, well, I was running much faster case, you know, like a couple weeks ago, but um, after talking to Lauren about it, so I don't know if I would have come to this conclusion on my own. And that's why we have coaches, I think is to help us realize <laughs> why we're better for these moments. But, um, she just kind of acknowledged my strengths and weaknesses and what systems I benefit from. And she's like, you know, I think doing that hard 5k and then a system like this, they're kind of similar and just the volume and, um, she's like, it's really good for you because she, those two systems back to back is typically really hard for me. And I didn't realize that in the moment, I just thought it was 
failing it today, <laughs> not failing it today, <laughs> but the workout. Um, and so it, it benefited me because it's trying to like help improve those two back-to-back systems, which normally like, yeah, that happens. So I, I'm better for it because it's going to improve and I mean, it's going to help me improve on that, but it sucks in the moment. <laughs> Definitely. What, um, do you enjoy doing the, the types of workouts that, that you're not strong at? Um, yes and no. Um, because in the moment it's hard, but it does feel really good to walk away from it. Um, and having succeeded at it, it's not as fun, of course, if you don't succeed at it, but it's easy, especially if it's on the track or something, a dirt loop you do over and over again, it is a little bit easier to measure. So you can see the improvements. Um, and I, I like that. That's awesome. What are some of the, um, the mantras that you think about when things get hard? Um, I might be an anomaly in this, but I don't really have mantras. Um, I try to, and I, like, I see something and I'm like, oh, I really like that. But um, nothing's ever really stuck with me. Like, I don't have anything written on my mirror. Um, but I do, I do break things down in my head a lot. And I just, I talk to myself a lot. I'm like, okay, come on now. Like, this is hard, but it's supposed to be hard. This isn't supposed to be easy. I just say things like that. So I don't really have an, a mantra. I just try and like really give myself positive talk in the moment. Got it. Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, many people may know you uh, formerly for being on the receiving end of um, uh, customer service emails at Picky yeah. Bars. What was <laughs> what was what was that experience like um, working for a brand that that supports you in that way? Uh, it was really great. I um, I always thought of myself as somebody who I needed something outside of running to balance that part of my life the running part. Um, and I moved here and I didn't have a job and I like needed to get a job, but it's hard to find something that allows the flexibility we need. Um, mm -hmm. and it just like kind of was a perfect opportunity. Their picky bars, previous customer service person was kind of moving into a marketing role. And, um, I needed something and, I was in band and um, of course with it being owned by Jesse and Lauren, that made it really easy to have <laughs> that flexibility. Um, but I really liked it. I feel like even though most of it was over email, I made some really good relationships with people. And um, like there's this guy in Germany, Enrique, and I, I emailed him for like six years straight. And I, when I ran the Abbott dash five can New York, last year what 2018 I guess um he was there he was running the New York Marathon he needed picky bars and I was like he's like hey my shipment's not going to get to Germany in time and I was <laughs> like well I'm going to be there like I'll just bring you and you know it's cool we like met in the lobby I gave him his stuff and I was like wow I feel like I already know you but it's nice to actually meet you <laughs> and um so it was really cool and last year 
yeah, I guess 2019, I kind of felt like my running career is, uh, I'm 31. I'm not that old, but I just kind of like, I really want to give this my full undivided attention, um, for the years that I have left. And, um, so I kind of, I just decided to step away from picky bars and, um, you know, Lauren and Jesse were great about it and extremely understanding of course, because they both have had their professional athlete and professional work careers. So, um, I loved it and it was a really good balance, but I got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to put all my attention into running for what, for what I have left. That's awesome. What were some of the, the, the ways that, um, you were able to structure the work and training and life, um, in that, in that time? Um, well, I never, so I always worked in the afternoons cause we have practice in the morning. So I'd always just plan to start my day in the afternoon, um, which made that really easy. And I, I didn't have a time that I had to be in there, but I hold myself very accountable. So I never was like, Oh, it's okay if I go in there at three o'clock, you know, I, I tried to be very on top of it and it, they made it so easy for me to work remotely that when I traveled, I always got my computer and I would always work. I wouldn't work on race day, but besides that, I'd sit down for a few hours in the afternoon and write my emails and um, follow up with, with the emails. Um, I think the ability to, to work remotely and just take my computer made it really easy. Like when I was in Europe for racing, I always had my computer and I would always for a couple hours every day, just sit down and respond. And, um, yeah, I feel like I did a good job. I hope all those people on the other end felt like I did a good <laughs> job too. <laughs> I think I emailed you a couple dozen times and, and you definitely did a good job every time, uh, every time I had a problem. So thank you for that. Um, and it's, uh, it's been fun to watch that company grow over the years. Um, so on your end, what was it like working for, um, when you joined a, a pretty small startup? Yeah. When I first started, it was one, two, like we all sat around this one table. So I was trying to like count the dooper on the table. I think it was maybe five of us. Um, and that's actually how I met my husband. He got hired like six months after I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> as uh so that's kind of funny but um yeah it was just about five or six of us and it has been really fun to watch it grow because not only has it grown in the number of people working but also just it's really it's been really cool to see Jesse kind of transition into full-time picky bars mode and he's really passionate about it and he cares a lot and you can tell and I think watching him watching him balance that was a really good it was a really good example for how I could balance that and I was just fortunate enough to be in that situation to watch him do that um I know it's yeah not everybody can like see how that see how that works but um it, it's it was really cool to watch it grow and now I kind of have no idea what's going on which is also a little bit exciting in a different way I'm like, oh, cool, there's a new product. I didn't know they were working on this. 
but I kind of <laughs> like it. It's like something behind me, but something that's still like important to me and something I learned a lot from and gained a lot of valuable experience from. Because when it's that small too, you're, yeah, I was doing customer service, but I, it's so small. You're just naturally involved in the marketing you're a little doing bit. Everything, yeah. yeah. So it's cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Um, I work for a company that when I joined, there were, like you said, six of us sitting around the table and you wear about a dozen hats at all times. And now, now it's in a place where, you know, there are four people or six people doing the, the job that I used to do. Um, and it's, it's so cool to watch that kind of, um, evolution, uh, from the inside. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just like with running, like you know, you can't you can't have that success overnight, but it's day after day after day, and eventually it it builds into something uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks again to Johnji for sponsoring this episode. As a runner, you know the importance of hydration, but you might not know that almost eight hundred million people lack access to drinking water. By working together, we can create viable solutions, and collectively, we can have a greater impact. The Johnji Collective is one way to do that. It's a membership that earns you a ton of perks like discounts on gear and first access to new collections. It's also a community of adventurous runners around the world. 100% of the membership fee goes towards supporting clean water programs. I'm a member and enjoy knowing that it is a small step that each of us can take that when pooled together can have quite an impact. It's also great knowing that once the world reopens, I'll have runners in almost every city to enjoy a run with when I'm on the road in a new place. If you use the code FTLR, like for the long run, you can join the John G. Collective for $50. You'll receive a free singlet as well as a special members-only discount for life. Every dollar from that will go towards supporting clean water programs. I hope you'll join me. Um, so talk to me about your other um, sponsor, Wazelle. What's been your experience working with them? Uh, it's been great. Um, I feel like what you see is what you get with them, which I really, really appreciate. So everything you see on social and um, real life, that's exactly how it is. They're extremely supportive and extremely feminist, like women, women, women power. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. I really like it. I consider myself a feminist. Um, I think most people probably should or would. Um, but it's been so it's been really great. They, like I, when I was talking earlier about coming out of college and trying to run professionally, I had been hurt on and off for, I don't know, three years. So it just didn't, I didn't feel like I had a lot of opportunities, but it was something I really wanted to do. And they, they were like, yes, we see the talent here and thought how I thought talent doesn't disappear. It's definitely still in there. And that was kind of how Little Wing started. The idea behind it originally was, you know, we're taking these group of women who have had success, but just kind of need an extra lift up. And um, I was part of that when it started. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity because I, I don't know if I would still be doing this if it wasn't for them. I mean, it's really hard to kind of like think about what different paths might have come up. But I was also, I was a French major in college and I was supposed to actually go help teach English in France for seven months when I graduated college. But um, 
I ended up not doing that because I was moving to Bend and it was kind of like, well, France will always be there, but you know, your running career has a timeline on it. So yeah, maybe I would have moved to France and <laughs> stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to hear them say, we believe in you. There's some talent there. Let's, let's take a chance. It was awesome. I, I don't even know if I could like describe how it felt in that moment. I was also, it was a while ago, but also just like the overwhelming gratitude I had for that. And then to then be like, oh, and it's going to be coached by one freshman. I was like, well, obviously, like <laughs> um, Warren had been my role model for a while, just throughout the footlocker years. And um, we, it's kind of funny, we have pictures from when I was a freshman in high school. And I think that was maybe her first year as a pro because she had just signed with Nike and she was had the West Coast captain of footlocker and I was on the West Coast team. Um, so we kind of have these, even though we weren't friends, we have these memories together from when I was 14 and she was, whatever that is, 23, something like that. So that was also a no-brainer to just like, and I appreciated, I mean, I was so excited about the experience that she was going to bring to the table as, as from what she had to be a coach. Um, I think that's mm -hmm. really valuable. And I think that it's extremely valuable even now. Yeah, for sure. So you've talked, you've talked a lot about um, Lauren as your coach. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from her? Oh boy, biggest. Okay. Just from small things like an interval can be going poorly in the moment, but the workout's not over. Just like, I feel like she first talked to me about this when I was running a half marathon in goodness, 2014. She's like, yeah, mile nine could be really bad, but you could come out of it at 11. Um, and I, that has definitely transitioned over into workouts. One interval can be bad, but the whole workout's not going to be bad unless you think it's going to be bad. And so that's when I said I don't have mantras, but I just talk to myself. It's kind of like that, like, okay, just get, just get through this rep one interval at a time. And one has done such a good job in teaching us to have that mentality. At least I've really grasped onto that just like keeping my composure and really just trying to run the interval I'm in. And even if you have to, if you have to break it up into a 200, like um, I feel like that's something she's really taught me and trained me to work on over the years. That's awesome. Is so it sounds like gratitude is something that you practice is that is that an intentional practice or does it sort of happen throughout your day or is there more of a structured um, component to it I don't think it's it's definitely not intentional I guess because it's not something like I don't sit down and I'm also not a journaler um, I don't really enjoy writing in that way which is probably another different <laughs> anomaly about me um, at least compared to a lot of my teammates. Um, but I, I think it's just something that not to say that it's natural, but, um, it's really easy for me to realize the opportunities I've been given here and be extremely grateful for them. Um, so whether I do it like consciously or unconsciously, it's kind of easy to 
it'd be horrible for me to forget them <laughs> and not realize <laughs> Definitely. about them. For sure. Um, so fast forward 10 years, what are you really proud of accomplishing? Oh my goodness. 10 years like from now? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, a couple, not a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, Warren sat us down and kind of asked us, and this is when we sure weren't really sure what was happening with our season and, and the world, but she asked us what's something that we want to take from our group and something that we want to give and something that I said I want to, I hope to bring to our group. And um, it could be our sport, but I think this is just more of an example of our group because it's the people I'm around every day. But um, what my answer was experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always want to be involved in little wing and whether I'm running or helping Lauren or whatever it is. Um, but I really hope that experience is something I can leave behind me. And if I can leave that with little wing, I would be pretty, um, pretty excited. Just like the little things like, I don't know, dealing with injury and composure and, um, just life experiences that have taught me different things, not just running experiences. Um, so with our group in particular, and that's something that I hope to always provide, but also leave behind. Um, and then you're talking about our sport, right? Mm-hmm. Or however you, however you choose to answer the question. Okay. Uh, that's so hard. <laughs> Ten years. Sorry, can you repeat the question? What I hope to leave behind ten years from now? Uh, so, what what you would be proud, proud of, of in ten years? Um, I'd also be proud of how I how I stuck through through the sport. It could have. I mean, coming out of college, I was so out of shape comparatively. Um, so I think it would have been really easy for me to just stop. Um, and just like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go to France. I'm going to teach English. I'm going to, you know, really make this my career. So I'm proud of me, proud to like have not given up. Um, cause I think it would have been really, really easy to, especially cause it took me like two years to just show some sort of old form of myself. Um, so I'm proud, mm-hmm. I'm proud of the like resiliency and the effort I put into this. That's awesome. Um, it's I find it so interesting to ask this question to professional athletes and observe that um, most will not answer winning this or making the Olympics or um, PRing. You know, at thirty-seven years old, whatever it is, it's all it's it's most often process-oriented versus goal-oriented, and I think that. Um, that's a huge indicator of potential and your ability to be successful because it's not putting all the weight on something um, objective. It's something subjective and um, something that's important to you versus a time on a clock or you know, a spot on a podium or something like that. So I just, I find that so fascinating that it's literally your job to perform, but what you be, what you would be most proud of is what you did along the way and what you're leaving behind. 
Yeah, I actually really like that you just said that because I wasn't even conscious of that. And I like a time or an achievement never even came into my mind. But I think it's mm-hmm. it's funny because a lot of times people are like, oh, it's about the, you know, the journey. And sometimes it's hard to keep that in perspective and remember that. But you just saying that makes me feel like it's kind of subconscious, like everybody's just enjoying the process. And you kind of you kind of have to in this sport, I feel like. But um, yeah, I really like you said that because it it's like, oh, it's that is very true, whether we realize <laughs> it or not. <laughs> Definitely. And it's cool. I've asked this question probably 15 times now. And just about every time the answer has been something similar to what you said. And my goal with this podcast is to dig into what helps, what what has allowed successful people to be successful. And seeing consistencies like that, I think it's fascinating. And for those listening, it's uh, either confirmation that, hey, you're doing the right thing, or here's what a lot of people have found to work for them uh, to help them get to some of the highest levels possible. Maybe it's worth you know a, a shift in perspective to, um, to see if that can lead to a more sustainable approach to life or training or sports. Yeah, especially for life, because there's a lot of life after the sport. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. What I mean, what I love about it is all these things we learn in running apply to life as well. And I think that's the best way to, to use it. Yeah. What, what do you know, switching gears again, what do you know now that you wish you knew coming out of college? Um, well, I wish I would have known not to run so hard all the time. <laughs> well, I think that's something I learned like right at the end of uh, my college career going into professional running, but I think it was part of the reason I got hurt a lot, which was my own fault entirely. Like I got hurt and then it was like, okay, there's this season. I need to get in shape. The fastest way to get in shape is to just really push yourself. Um, so that, because now we, we work out really hard. Our, our hard days are really hard and our easy days are easy. And a lot of the stuff we do is heart rate based. So sometimes after a really hard day, Lauren, for me in particular, everybody's heart rate is different. She's like, Hey, I need you to go on a run and your heart rate has to stay under 150. And, you know, sometimes that can be 830 pace. It really just depends on the day. And, you know, there are other factors that are involved, like for women, like your menstrual cycle and where you are in that. But, um, yeah, I wish I would have realized sooner that I didn't need to run hard all the time and that a bad day doesn't define define your career what you're doing um and what it's all for and I think a lot of that is just yeah time and age and perspective and being able to look back on it definitely I learned the you don't need to run hard all the time lesson about five years too late yeah (laughs) (laughs) but but I, I learned it and uh um, that's what counts, I guess. Um, last question. What do you wish people knew about you? Oh, okay. Hmm. This is a good one. What do I wish people knew about me? 
gosh, I feel like this is a question you'd have to ask my sister or brother. Um, <laughs> well, I can be pretty shy. I'm not like um, super overwhelming when I meet people for the first time, which I think can come off in a negative way. Like I just like, it's like, oh, she's not very nice. No, I am very nice. I promise. I just am very shy. But <laughs> on the other side of that, I can be extremely sassy. Um, <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people have seen that side of me, except for my, um, the people closest to me. But um, I think it's entertaining for a lot of people, um, especially in the car. <laughs> I, I have a little bit of road rage and sass, but it only lasts for like three seconds. And then it's like back to my normal happy self. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, where can we find you if we want to follow along with your journey? Um, I am active on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, those two. Awesome. Well, Mel, thanks so much for um, for taking the time to chat. And I hope to run into you and Bend uh, maybe at Recharge again, uh, again soon. Yeah, thank you. It's been really great chatting. <laughs> Likewise. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.